1: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a more market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1 800 743 CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. What if you do if you missed it? What do you do if you think it's too late to get in? That's the big question with the averages of these historic levels. Now getting another 140 points today. s and climbing 0.5%, NASDAQ vaulting 0.84%. Ah. But it's not an easy one to answer. When I look at my screen, I think, holy cow. Are, what the heck are we doing up here? However, it's just some reflection, I think there could still be much more upside and I don't want you to leave you thinking otherwise. Let's start with Washington. Just a few months ago, it sounded inconceivable that we could ever get tax reform. The Republicans in Congress seemed to be in total disarray, and it's not like they really campaigned on slashing corporate taxes. We'd interview legislators on air, and they'd always seem to have a different plan to raise revenues in order to avoid busting the budget. They wanted to tax the retailers. Remember that border tax thing? They were reluctant to cut the, uh, cut the corporate tax rate uh, because, well, it would leave a ju- just a huge hole. There was no way any Democrats were going to get on board. It seemed like a colossal waste of time to most of us. Somehow, though, Perhaps because of the president's endless harping, perhaps because they realized they could suffer some hideous losses in next year's midterm elections, the GOP was able to cobble together a plan that's incredibly pro-business. Plus, the Republican Party seems to have thrown any of its remaining fiscal discipline out the window, something again that seemed inconceivable a few months ago. I guess we forgot that politicians only care about the deficit when they're out of power. Because so few investors believe this bill would actually become law, it wasn't baked into the market like we thought it was. Now, I don't want to be too Washington-centric, and the truth is that when you look at the data, there's not much connection between tax cuts and the market's performance over the next year. But at the end of the day, one of the primary reasons stocks go higher is because their earnings estimates are too low. Anything that raises the estimates tends to raise the share price. Well, guess what? Even though the tax cut now seems like a sure thing, we're still waiting on the analysts to increase their forecast. And make no mistake, when this thing passes, those numbers are going to go up, and in many cases, up big. So when those estimates bump come, when the estimates bumps for everything, okay, for everything from retail to the restaurants, transports, banks, the market will suddenly seem substantially cheaper, and then I bet we'll get another leg higher. It's a huge windfall for any corporation that has a lot of cash overseas or any domestic business that pays its fair share of taxes. Companies that actually pay the top rate are going to get a 40% tax cut. In other words, it's a windfall for the S&P 500. Let's go one step further. I'm always asking CEOs what they'll do with all their newfound riches. I I always get the same answer. Buybacks, dividends, spending to grow their businesses. Now, needless to say, this would have been unthinkable under the previous administration. Obama would have frowned on the idea of blowing a hole in the deficit to fund dividends and buybacks. Under this regime, though, they love dividends and buybacks. I can't tell you whose vision is better for America. That's not my department. But it's obvious which is better for the stock market. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. The second reason we should have more room to run, sentiment. 17 years ago, whenever I went to a ball game, I... Constantly be asked about stocks, Nasdaq stocks, penny stocks, dot coms, big industrials, anything, everything. Yesterday, I went to the Giants-Eagles game, and you know what? Not a single person asked me about the market. Yeah, I got a couple of questions about Bitcoin, but nothing about stocks. How is that possible after these record runs? Simple. I think this move hasn't really captured the fancy of most Americans. Not a front-page issue. After the financial crisis and a couple of flash crashes, people have lost faith in this whole asset class. The indices are all that matter. And it's not like there's any passion for an index. Not like a company. Third, companies just won't stop making themselves more appealing. This morning, Campbell Soup bought Snyder Lance. Snyder's Lance is an amazing little company, but it has it bought it for $4.9 billion. They transformed themselves from a soup company with a bunch of disparate products in the supermarket to a snack food company in a world where snackings become an international pastime. Campbell's gets itself the largest share of the pretzel market. That's right, they're the biggest. Along with two of the fastest growing potato chip brands. What a terrific compliment to their uh, their Pepperidge Farm unit. Plus, Snyder's Lance gives them more exposure to the convenience store, which is in much better shape than the supermarket space. Could be a lower with gasoline price. Many people have recommended Campbell's as a takeover target, but I think this move makes the stock worth buying as an earnings story. Then there's Hershey's purchase of Amplify, another snack company famous for Skinny Pop, ubiquitous popcorn brand that's taken over a whole swaths of the snack food aisle. It's not a large deal. Amplify was only a $500 million company, but today its stock surged up 71% on this $921 million acquisition. Huge premium. But Hershey needs scale. Well, I wouldn't be a buyer here. Unlike Campbell's, My point is that stocks can give you a phenomenal return simply over the course of a weekend. If companies won't do what's right to create value, then their shareholders will do it for them. On Friday, Elliott Partners, the activist fund, took a 6.5% stake in Akamai Technologies. I say hallelujah because even though Akamai is a jewel of an asset and it's network that handles a gigantic amount of Internet traffic, stock has really underperformed. I think Elliott helps them restructure or succeeds in putting the company up for sale, perhaps to be bought by Cisco or Oracle or Microsoft or Alphabet. Do you know that I'd be a buyer right here even after its 13% run today? That's how far it's behind the market. And you know what else? You know what else I'd buy? Procter & Gamble, which has suddenly become a lot more attractive now that legendary investor Nelson Peltz Has been added to the board. I spoke to Nelson today and he told me that he and CEO David Taylor have had many good conversations. He says they're getting along famously. I say you get in there with them and buy the stock. Finally, we're back in a world where analyst recommendations can produce gigantic moves. Witness how Twitter skyrocketed up 11% today just because of a JP Morgan upgrade this very morning. Wow. That's a little like the 1990s. Now, let's say you would prefer to buy a stock that's not on the new high list. Here's an idea. Let me give you this idea. I told ActionAlertsPlus.com club members this morning to buy Honeywell, suggesting a small position to start, leaving plenty of room left to add if the market takes a header. That's a way to go. Not all at once. Not big. Not statement. So here's the bottom line. If I really thought you'd miss this move, you know what? I've had no qualms about telling you. I could say it's over or wait. I'm saying the opposite, though. Good things happen to those who buy. But don't buy big here. And don't buy all at once. Leave some room to pick up more at lower prices if we get a pullback. The fact is, there are plenty of reasons to get involved with this market even now. In fact, there aren't enough alternatives to stock to justify staying away even after such an incredible run. Let's take calls. Let's go to John in California. John!
2: Ah, booyah. Happy holidays, Jim, from your buddies out here in Sacramento. Oh,
1: geez, John. Always great to talk to you. What's going on?
2: Okay, uh, my infrastructure play is U.S. concrete and Chicago Bridge and iron. What do you think? You know, it's an
1: intriguing question because even uh, earlier today, I would have said U.S. Concrete is definitely the one to buy. It's well off its high. But you know what? After the close, McDermott, not a company I'm really crazy about, and CBI combined together in what's a $6 billion deal. And I owe you, and let's say uh, at least some thought. About what that merger may mean and if it makes CBI a more attractive company. So that's what I'm promising you. There's no sense in me just saying, hey, I'm dismissing that merger. Maybe it's really good news. Let's go to Russell in New York. Russell.
0: Happy holiday, Booyah, to you, Jim. Same Buffalo, to you, New Russell. York. Same to you, what's going on? Listen, uh, with that corporate tax rate possibly going to 21% which would allow companies to stay in the U.S. and compete. Do you see a company like Bayon's, BZUN, still being viable? And if so, where do you think the company will go from here once the tax rate takes effect? Well, look, it's a
1: website design company, I'm really in it for – it's a growth vehicle. It's up 167 percent, and we still like it, tax or no tax. So my, say, my case is buy it. Let's go to Brian in Michigan. Brian.
3: Jim, this Friday marks the halfway point of Aridom Communications' launch of their next-generation high-speed data constellation. By the end of 2018, Aridum will replace a nearly 20-year-old network with a $3 billion high-speed satellite network, enabling a truly global Internet of Things and global connectivity. With a forecasted PE of less
2: than 14 and projected revenue growth of only 5%, I think current estimates
3: may not be considering the growth that is possible with Iridium's next generation constellation. Jim, is Iridium communication stock ready for launch?
1: Boy, I've gotta tell you something, Brian. We recommended that years ago and it's done absolutely nothing. And with that does not mean anything on the fact that I gotta look at it again because I liked everything you had to say about it. So we will come back with Iridium. Otherwise, we're just a bunch of jokers saying, yeah, I like this, I like that. I'm not playing that game. All right, I don't think you missed the whole move in this market. You can't buy all at once. Take your time or else you'll be blown out by the first decline. Oh, man, buddy, tonight, I'm sitting down with one of the most exciting companies, United Rentals and its CEO, to get a good read on the U.S. economy and his business. Then, can the next best investment idea be from the frozen food aisle? Didn't they write that off a long time ago? I'll tell you which companies could be you should be worth. I And Ollie's bargain outlet is up 80% year-to-date, and it's been a long-term recommendation. Can you still find a deal in the stock? Where's the money been made? I'm sitting down with the CEO. So stick with Kramer.
0: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cndc.com.
1: telling you that when the economy really takes off, you need to own the cyclicals, the companies that depend on a strong business cycle to really make their money, because that's when they catch fire. And few things are more cyclical than United Rentals, simply URI, the largest equipment rental company on earth. These guys rent out machinery to all sorts of construction firms, utilities, industrials, home builders, oil and gas firms, even government entities here's a stock that's already up nearly 60 percent year to date and that's effectively quadrupled from its lows in early 2016. wow but with united rentals seemingly hitting new highs every week could this be the time to ring the register and park your money somewhere else or should we let it run earlier today i had a chance to check in with mike nealon the president and ceo of the united rentals take a look My first congratulations on 20 years. Could you give me the arc of your terrific company?
3: Sure. We started uh, 20 years to the day, (laughs) to the day. Uh, And when we started, we went public. Uh, We were about $60 million in revenue and about 390 employees. Today, we're over $6.5 billion in revenue and about 15,000 employees. So, 20 years has been uh, a lot has happened in 20 years.
1: Now. There are periods where people have doubted the company. I remember in the depths of the Great Recession, people had given up on you, but your business really kind of held in when you think
3: about it. Yeah, it, look, it, it, it was challenging for everybody. I mean, it was the, it, any, any business was suffering. But, uh, you know, our business, unlike other businesses, generate a lot of free cash flow, even in a downturn. And we were able to meet our, our, all of our obligations and grow the company.
1: And how did you do if you bought at the
3: bottom? Uh, if you bought the bottom, you did quite well. I okay. mean, yes.
1: Well, let's talk about your business. Uh, I've always felt that you have an amazing business model. It's very expensive to buy equipment. Most jobs actually don't need that. You are part of the shared economy now.
3: We are. I mean, to your point, it is very expensive. But it's not only just the ownership of buying it. It's, that's, it's the ownership of insuring it, transporting it and making sure you have the right piece of equipment for the job. Each job's completely different, and we give that flexibility in, in almost any type of construction, and also in the industrial market.
1: Okay, now people have said uh, periodically, they keep doing acquisitions, what's that about? And I, I think there's a tremendous value of scale here, right?
3: There is, there is tremendous value in scale, but it's also for us, our strategic, where we are today, and by the way, over our 20 years, we've done over 270 acquisitions. Which is a core competency for us, but it's it's adopting those customers and bringing them into our fold and expanding our our, our all of our verticals. All
1: right, is there anybody left to acquire?
3: Oh sure, there's. I mean, we, we only have about 12% market, and so there's a lot of opportunity for growth in the future.
1: Now, uh, people, uh, when I look at it, people realize that the cash flow is great, but what I don't think they realize is how much stock you've bought back, and that it's actually a bargain for you to do that.
3: Well, you know, obviously, uh, capital allocation is a, is a big topic. Uh, we get criticized for doing share repurchases, uh, but to your point, uh, the stock that we have, you know, purchased uh, today, it seems very, very economical, right? <laughs> so, be a good buy. Yes.
1: Now, uh, there's a chance that there could be more, given the fact that your tax rate is clearly a beneficiary of what's going on in Washington.
3: Yeah, it, we don't know until hopefully this week, uh, something will come out of uh, out of Congress. And uh, if they vote something in to what we've been seeing, it's obviously going to it's going to help us with our cash flow. It's going to help us with our earnings and uh, it's going to help us with our returns. So all positive. All
1: right, Mike, you uh, know this business and you've been in the history of it. I'd like to think that there's a bit of what I would actually use the word boom in this country, but no one would know that. I think, other than you or I, because of your tremendous reach. Is it wrong to use the word boom, at least in parts of the country?
3: Well, I think in parts of the country, it definitely is a boom. I mean, you go around all the major cities, and I just ask people to look up and see the cranes, see the activity. Uh, when they complain about the traffic, you know, why, is it, is it because they're doing repairs? There's a lot going on that people just don't see. Or they don't. It really doesn't comprehend. But there is an awful lot of positive things that are going on in our, in our business.
1: Now, you get terrible hurricanes uh, in Texas and Florida. It would seem to be that. Uh, people can't buy equipment just to be able to take care of those. But that would be a good situation for you or, you or I. I mean, no one wants to profit from, the, from what occurred. But then again, if you want to fix things, you don't want to buy a lot of equipment for that. It's one time only.
3: That's true. I mean, if you think about it, uh, we bring a lot of equipment in, and we did. Uh, we, we want to make sure that we help the community uh, to get back on their feet. Uh, so we do bring a lot of equipment into those marketplaces. But to your point, in the beginning, we actually take our fleet down because the, the storm comes in and then we come right back in. And it's usually the recovery is first and then reconstruction. And depending upon the, the, the level of the destruction is how long it's gonna take before they re- rebuild.
1: Do you think that the, uh, if the tax code goes through, what is the impact on your business besides just your capital structure, and uh, your tax rate? It, it, given the fact that it's supposed to spur great economic growth.
3: Well, I think it will. Uh, I do uh, because I think companies will invest. Uh, You could do share repurchases, but capital allocation, we did acquisitions. Uh, Aside from that, we're also, you know, with our board and and management, we're investing in other areas of our business uh, to bring on new verticals, new types of products. Uh, So those are things that I think that would excite me, uh, that we could take that capital and redeploy it. So... more to to come.
1: The analysts are very positive. There's a terrific, uh, really big, fantastic Bank of America Merle piece today, but let's talk about this Barclays sale for a moment, because I want people at home to know the so-called bear case, of which I'm not uh, part of uh, the idea would be we've had a long economic expansion and it has to go uh, down and we've got this inverted yield curve and it's really not the time to be in URI. Is that just kind of looking backward the way to think like that?
3: Well, you know you can always look backwards and come up with a, with a some sort of hypothesis, right? I always look to, to the future and what I see is we see a lot of positive activity, uh, whether it's the infrastructure, which would be accretive to the macro environment. If you take a look at the tax, that's going to be accretive, we, we believe. And if you take a look at just the fundamentals of our industry today is very positive, whether it be the you know Dodge Momentum Index, which was a 13% in- improvement, or if you take a look at the construction backlog, which was at an all-time high. So that's coming. No, I can tell you in 2018 looks very positive. I can't go much beyond that. But what we see in the future looks pretty good.
1: Looking back, some said, well, this oil service uh, acquisition that turned out to be ill time. But the fact is, with oil in the 5760, there's more drilling than ever and more efficiency, more pipelines. This all plays to you.
3: Well, it does. I mean, it obviously our oil business fluctuates. It's about 12. 12, I would say roughly 12 percent of our business. Now, downstream is the biggest portion of that refinery business. But that can fluctuate, to your point. Right now, year over year, we've had very nice growth in in the oil sector. Uh, Over the last four months, it's kind of leveled off. But we do believe that's a viable vertical for us. And we think that it will continue.
1: Now, if someone wants to invest in an American company that is a, a way to be able to play all the building they see. Uh, you would have to think it's a company that is really devoted to all parts of our country. It, in other words, you don't necessarily want to own Caterpillar. You get China with that. You don't necessarily want to own Turex. You get a different balance sheet. These are all fine companies. But it's really URI as a way to be able to, let's use the word, play the uh, what could be a revolution in American industry.
3: Well, obviously, I think everyone will benefit because the two companies that you mentioned obviously sell into the rental space as well, so they will benefit. But overall, for United Rentals, we are very, very, I would say, diverse, not only in the construction, but also to all the states that you mentioned, the United States, North America, Canada as well. So we are, our, our tentacles are very deep. Well,
1: terrific. Mike Neal, congratulations on your 20th anniversary to the day. That's Michael Neal, the president and CEO of United Rentals. And the symbol is URI. Lately, we've spent a lot of time talking about the nascent comeback in what had been one of the ugliest groups around. Food. The supermarkets have been rebounding with a vengeance. The protein plays, especially Tyson Foods, have been red hot, courtesy of demand from carb-hating millennials. Just last week, I told you about JM Smucker. That's a classic pantry play that spent most of the past two years in the doghouse. It's been making its move. Sure enough, just this morning, there were two acquisitions in the same part of the supermarket. Campbell Soup buying Snyder's Lance and Hershey picking up Amplify snack brands. That's a bullish sign if there ever were one. But it's not just the pantry. This miraculous supermarket strength extends even to other parts of the frozen food aisle, which seemed like a giant wasteland not that long ago. In particular, ConAgra suddenly seems to be very much on the mend. And I think that this stock could have a lot more room to run. How is it that the frozen food stocks seem to be back in the business? Well, let's start with ConAgra because it's the preeminent player here second only to Tyson Foods in the frozen space. And we already know Tyson's very much a great meat company uh, and that that stock could go a lot higher. Now you might recognize Conagra as Chef Boyer D, Hebrew National, Egg Beaters, Hunts Ketchup, Ready Whip, Orville Redenbacher, Pam, Bertoli, Slim Jim's, and a host of other brands. But these are exactly the kinds of brands that seem to be going out of style not that long ago. Yet after staking up the joint for most of the year, Conagra has quickly become one of the most attractive names in the whole food group. Witness the three upgrades this stock has caught since the end of October. In the last four months, the stock has vaulted from $32 to just under $38, which is a substantial move for a $15 billion food company. What's driving the action? Part of it is simply because, as I've explained before, when the economy really started heating up, investors wanted to swap out of the food stocks and into the kind of cyclical plays that could deliver much faster earnings growth in a strong environment. Now, some of it's because we thought these these companies were dinosaurs being left behind by millennial consumers with vastly different tastes than my generation, which was practically raised on preservatives. But now, even though the economy is still roaring, many of the food stocks have gotten their groove back. Some are still lagging behind, but Conagra is one of the winners. Why? First of all, when CEO Sean Connolly took over in early 2015, he started spearheading an ambitious transformation program, almost a wholesale remake of the company. Connolly was the ch- former chief executive of Hirsch of Hillshire Brands, ultimately selling that company to Tyson Foods. So the guy knows what he's doing. As soon as he came in though the activist investors at Jana uh partners started pushing for change and rather than trying to fight them he happily gave them two board seats which by the way CEOs out there Way to go. Conley sold ConAgra's lagging private label business to Treehouse for $2.7 billion in 2015. Good riddance. Then he announced that the company would be spinning off its commercial food service business, basically selling frozen potatoes to restaurants all over the country as Lamb Weston, which occurred roughly 13 months ago. Get this. Since Lamb Weston, is since then, that spinoff, it's given you an 85% gain. That's a textbook example of how breakups can unlock value, isn't it? Meanwhile, ConAgra is focused on cutting costs and improving efficiency. The company also made a series of acquisitions to expand their natural organic and protein offerings. And look, for a while, the turnaround was uh, was working, with the stock marching steadily higher until March 1st of this year, when ConAgra peaked at $41 a share before plummeting to $32 at the end of August. What what happened there? Like I said, the whole packaged food group went out of style. But more important, ConAgra's results were just plain ugly. The company's sales declined by 10% in their fiscal 2017 year. That's that's kind of unforgivable. However, things started looking up when ConAgra reported at the end of September. While sales were still down 4.8%, that's still a big improvement from down 9% in the previous quarter. More important, within the company's once ailing refrigerated and frozen segment, Sales actually shocked us with an increase of 2%, thanks to business improvements and new product launches under the Marie Calendar and Healthy Choice brands. On top of that, ConAgra's margins continue to expand, making the company more profitable even on shrinking sales. Put it all together, and you got a pretty strong earnings story, even better. On the conference call, Sean Connolly described how business kept improving over the course of the quarter uh, thanks to the number of new product launches. He said, and I quote, you see the top line improvement is particularly dramatic in our frozen single serve meal business, which was believed to be which which we believe is the best proxy for the traction of our plan. End quote. Turns out millennials love frozen food for its convenience, as long as it's inexpensive, prepackaged with less plastic and still tastes fresh. When it's reheated. Thanks to the latest quarter, ConAgra has caught a series of upgrades, and I think the stock is still fairly inexpensive here trading at 18 times next year's earnings estimates. That said, ConAgra reports on Thursday morning, and I can't blame anyone for wanting to be cautious here. I'm optimistic, and I think you can put a small position on beforehand, but if you prefer to wait and see, well, you yeah, have my blessing. Still, I like the long-term story here. In particular, I like there's a lot of potential takeover talk. It could happen. Remember, we just learned about two major deals in the snack food place. Campbell Soup buying Snyder's Lance and Hershey buying Amplify Snack Brands. The last time ConAgra reported, Connolly made it clear that he'd be open to doing deals as long as they make strategic sense. So who might be in the crosshairs of ConAgra now that part of their freezer aisle business is making a comeback? I'll give you two options, B&G Foods and Pinnacle Foods. And uh, and B&G is a bite-sized, $2.35 billion house of brands with a stock that's been on a prolonged losing streak, falling from about $50 at its peak in the middle of last year down to 35 and changes as of today. They make everything from cream of wheat to Ortega taco shells, pollen or fruit spreads, Vermont-made syrup, B&M beans, and the eponymous B&G pickles to Pirate's Booty and Green Giant Frozen Vegetables, the latter two being worth a heck of a lot more than when they paid for them not that long ago. I bet Conagra would love to get their hands on those delicious Green Giant assets, which are performing very well right now within the broader company. That's not so hot. However, it's Pinnacle Foods that's mentioned most often as a potential takeover target for ConAgra. In fact, the deal almost happened earlier this year. ConAgra approached Pinnacle's management about doing a deal, but Pinnacle wanted too much money. Still, with ConAgra's frozen business recovering, maybe Pinnacle's bird's eye frozen veggies will look a lot more attractive. Again, while Pinnacle uh, as a whole is not doing so great, bird's eye is growing nicely. Plus, since the deal talks fell apart, the stock has fallen from $66 down to $57, which uh, which might make them more amenable to a lower price. That's why I mentioned ConAgra buying Pinnacle as a potential merger at the Deal Economy Conference a few weeks ago. The bottom line, the packaged food group is suddenly back in style, and the freezer aisles of all places are starting to get pretty hot. I think ConAgra is the smartest way to play it. But if you really want to speculate on a takeover, I could see them or someone else snapping up either Pinnacle or that pastiche of brands that is B&G Foods. Alice in California, Alice. Good evening,
0: Professor Kramer. Oh,
1: Alice, how are you? <laughs>
0: I was intrigued by your segment on the millennials and their love of chicken mm-hmm. and, pro- and proteins in general. And that uh, and Chipotle's problems of late, I thought, would benefit El Pollo Loco. Uh, but instead, the stock is near its 52-week low. Uh, so I'm was wondering, what gives?
1: Well, you know, it- you've got to hit your numbers. And a lot of people felt that the numbers were okay, not great. And I was among them. This is an inexpensive stock, down 17% for the year. But frankly, uh, even though I think that uh, they've got some you know, great pedigree, <sighs> I can't recommend it. The group is just too difficult right now. How about Tom in Oregon? Tom.
2: Hey, Jim, a big booyah to you from Southern California and Northern Oregon. How are you? I am good. I didn't think
1: those two things are the, uh, uh, get, get along together, but go ahead. Let's make some money.
2: Hey, I want to thank you for being such a a great educator
1: five days a week for me. Thank you. We do it for you. That's
2: what we do. How can I help? Well, I have stock in Montelis, and I hear that uh, Constellation Brands is getting into the marijuana ingredient uh, beverages. And two things. I want to know if uh, the... uh, Constellation Brands uh, market move was a good thing. And what's the long-term outlet or outlook for the uh, Mondelez? And you think they should get into the beverage thing and the stock in general?
1: I think Mondelez is stalled. They got a new CEO we don't really know his plan of Action. I think Rob Sands and Constellation's done an amazing job. We have uh, added that to the bullpen at the club for com. You can follow along. We've been issuing a lot of boltons on it. We think it is really ripe to buy. Okay, trying to bring home the bacon? The Package Food Group is making a comeback. I think ConAgra is the best way to play it. But you can spec on Pinnacle B&G Foods. Much more mad money ahead with the holiday season in full swing. How is a discount retailer like Ollie's Bargain Outlet Ferry? I got the CEO. And the shortage of group of stocks. Could be impacting your money i'll reveal it just then and all your rapid fire calls in tonight's edition of the lightning round so stick with kramer
0: tomorrow kick off the trading day with squawk on the street live from post 9 at the nyse 35
1: 30 is when a lot of people get that and I they say wow you know, let's have a tequila and tonic and look this over. Yeah. Not after all that, 5.30 and 5.00. I mean, that I, was I, just I, cheesy. I, I actually, it. to be fair, it was
2: 5.15.
0: It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
1: Lately, most of retail's come roaring back as the industry's having a great holiday season. And investors have realized that maybe these companies aren't quite all Amazon roadkill. It's amazing that they've turned like this. However, there are a few retailers that never fell out of favor in the first place, mostly companies that offer incredible bargains. Take Ollie's Bargain Outlet. that's O-L-L-I for you home gamers, the discount warehouse chain. Here's a stock that's been surging higher since it came public at $16 in 2015, rallying up to $52 and change today, where it hit a brand new high. But Ollie's has given you some curious dips along the way. When the company reported a seemingly strong quarter earlier this month, a solid top and bottom line beat the stock, nevertheless, sold off the next day, falling 4.4%. Upon further review, though, People realize that the company's doing very well. It didn't take long for the stock to get its groove back. So can Ollie's keep climbing? Let's take a closer look with Mark Butler, president, chairman, and CEO of Ollie's Bargain Outlet Holdings. Find out more about how his company's doing and where it's headed. Mr. Butler, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. Good to see you. Good great to see, see you. Great to see you. Thank you for coming on, Mark. Now, Mark, the first thing that pops out of me, because we are all focused on Washington today, 38% taxpayer. So... I think you might be getting a windfall from Washington.
2: Well, you know, I think it remains to be seen. There's a lot that's got to get flushed out with the tax tax situation. But, you know, after 35 years, we're very fortunate that year after year after year, we keep doing better, we do better, we do better. And our business hasn't ever been better. So we'll see what happens with the tax. We're ready to take advantage of it if we can and give America bargains. Okay, so it's never been better, but... There's also a lot of stores that maybe would have been doing worse uh, uh, but
1: Arn, is that going to be a problem for you to get good merchandise?
2: Uh, well, there's been no shortage. No I've been, shortage. I've, I've been with you several times right. over the last couple of years. And the buying environment of the closeout industry, it's never been stronger. It's never been better. We're seeing bigger, better, brighter, broader bargains. And we're selling, selling name brands at drastically reduced prices direct to the consumer. The deals, there's just no shortage of deals.
1: Okay. Now, how much of that is because you've grown in scale? And how much of it is is—is that there really
2: are just a lot? brand name stuff around the country that needs a home. I think it's a little bit of both. And okay. certainly since we've gone public, the notoriety, the visibility, mm-hmm. I, I get more opportunities to be on national TV with well, you, you and, tell, and tell people how we make a living. And, you know, as we do, more and more manufacturers are calling us. And uh, if there's anybody out there today who want, has a deal, please give me a call. All
1: right. Well, how was December 10th? How was Army Night?
2: Oh, it was, it was a wonderful. It, it absolutely hit our expectations. It was, it's, tell it's,
1: people what it is. It's so night cool. It's
2: a special night for Ali's Army. Army members only. You must be a, a member of Ollie's Army to get in. You get store-wide discounts. You get greater discounts on Christmas, on toys. The stores are packed. Were packed. And it's it's one of our biggest, if not the biggest, day of the so year. So you're holding in a room, what, 8-point-something uh, uh, members? Uh, eight, yeah, 8.2 million members okay. strong. The Army continues to grow faster than our sales. So it's really, really strong. Uh, you
1: called out Health and Beauty housewares, toys, furniture, bed, and bath. That's a lot of categories to be doing well.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, as we've told the analysts, our success has been broad-based. It's uh-huh. off of We have 21 different departments, and virtually half of them comped very, very strong. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it depends on the deal we get. So if we have a deal on HBA, on consumables, that's the business we're going to do. If we got a, a deal on sheet sets or comforters or towels, that's what we're going to do the business uh, on. I think people uh, are always trying to figure out if they haven't been one. What's between Dollar Tree,
1: Dollar General, and you guys? And the answer is, is that the brands that you will see at your place are the brands I
2: would see at a mass marketplace, but the prices are dramatically lower. Yeah, also, Jim, is the inconsistency of our product. That's the bargain hunt yeah, shopping yes. mentality. That's what people want to do. They want to come in. They want to look around. They want to shop. They want to get a bargain. And, you know, we say thanks, and they come back in again. But you never know what you're going to find at Ollie's unless you stop by and see for yourself. Great metric that you point now, people are willing to go 25 minutes away for an Ollie's. Yeah. Now, they must pass a lot of stores in the interim. Yeah, they do. And what they do is they, they want to save money. And that's why we're a destination. People right. will travel long and far to save money. And fortunately, that's what Ollie's does. Okay, so uh, 20
1: states, 200. You're, you have a goal, though. Of 950 stores, you can you can almost quadruple your store count. Now, you feeling pretty good about that number?
2: Yeah, since we've gone nearly three years ago, Jim, we started this voyage as being a publicly traded company and started talking to people, and we've hit every mark that yeah, we said. Mid teen store count growth. Uh, we're we're gonna we did it this year. We're gonna do it again next year. We're very bullish on our prospects. We feel really good about our business. And you know, when you drive by our stores, you see full parking lots. That that speaks. Yeah,
1: volumes. it sure does. And you've also cleaned up the balance sheet. You're doing a lot of things right as a retailer. Well, doing thank you. Many thank you. things right. Okay, that's Mark Butler, the chairman and president and CEO of Ollie's Bargain Outlet. I am so thrilled that we got you in earlier than this, but I also tell you to stick with it. Everybody's back after the break. It is time! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skate. Got it. Time for the lightning round. Let's start with Gregory in California. Gregory.
3: Hello, Tim! Where well, the sun is still shining in California, I'm calling about stat oil. No, love- too
1: boy, We don't want to be in stat oil. Not enough growth. We want to be in Simmer That's where that growth is. One ah. of the few that made the numbers. Let's go to Mitch in Minnesota. Mitch.
0: We out from the state of hockey. Yeah. My question. My question's on First Solar, FFLR. This thing has
1: been a horse. They've been made and beaten. we got to do more work on it. It's extraordinary. I need to go to Stephanie in California. Stephanie. Hi, this
0: is Stephanie from
1: Marina
3: Del Rey,
1: California.
2: Thank
1: you for all that you do. Booyah. 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 Uh, I'm talking about Zenga. Yeah, low risk, uh, you know, kind of low. I actually prefer Groupon to Zenga. I always put those two together. Why don't we go to Adam in New York? Adam.
0: Hey, Jim, thank you so much for taking my call. Of course. I was just wondering, do you think I should buy out there if you, spend it $20? Uh, you know what? There's a
1: lot of uh, in Halo. There's a lot of uh, tax law selling. It's a real spec. If you're willing to hold it for like 10 years, that's when you should buy it for. Let's go to Dave in New York. Dave.
3: Hey, Jim, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Roku. Roku's one of the
1: most amazing short squeezes I've ever seen. A lot of people bet against it because Amazon wants to come after them. So far, they're a winner. Let's go to Carol in New York. Carol.
0: Hi, Jim. First time caller. All right.
3: Should I sell, should I sell, buy or hold my Sierra
0: wireless?
1: Well, you know, I don't really think there's a reason to get rid of it. I mean, I think it's a telecommunications company. A lot of those things have been on hold lately because of orders. I don't want you to get rid of it. I think it's—I think you hold on. Susie in Virginia. Susie.
0: Yes. Hi, Jim.
1: Hi, Susie.
3: Hey, I want to own Energy Transfer Partners, especially with that rover pipeline approval today. Am I?
1: You know, that's not a great stock. It's just not. And it's run by Kelsey Warren, who's not that good. May I suggest that if you want to be in that MLP business, you buy Magellan Midstream Partners. I'm recommending that to club members, and it is just starting to move higher. 69 bucks. I think it goes to 74 Teddy in California. Teddy! Hey, Kramer! I'm wondering what your thoughts are on Visa. Should Visa I- is a buy, plain and simple. Wow. Now Kelly's doing a great job. I feel bad that we sold that for the club when Charlie Sorf resolved, uh retired. That stock's doing well. Let's go to Steve in Illinois. Steve. Jim, I bought Spirit Airlines at 33. What do I do? Well, I got to tell you, I am not a fan of Spirit. I think you should take off right now. Take half and let the rest run. And that ladies them the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
0: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: There's a shortage of good cyclical stocks. I never thought I'd say that because we've had such a prolonged period of slow growth where most of the economically sensitive names seem to fall by the wayside. But now it's crystal clear. We've got a stock shortage in the sector, plain and simple. Let's think about it. For instance, why do you think Caterpillar United Rentals, which we just heard from, are so strong? Easy. There aren't enough publicly traded construction equipment companies to go around. So you can buy Terex, but its balance sheet is too iffy. Uh, Plus, for uh, purposes, tax purposes, uh, Terex is based in Finland. They don't get benefit from the big tax cut. We can buy Manitowoc, the premier crane company. That's a tiny $1.4 billion company, meaning its supply of stock is barely a drop in the bucket. Hey, the old standbys, Illinois Toolworks, Ingersoll Ram, Parker Hannifin, 3M, Emerson, Eaton. They've all run so much that it's tough to touch them. But if you want industrial exposure, you may not have the choice. You may have to pick one out and buy it. Then there's Cummins, CMI. The engine company it can be a substitute for Caterpillar as an American-Chinese hybrid. It's a good stand-in, and I think it can go higher. But Cummins is subject to endless downgrading over month-to-month truck sales. I hate the short-term hedge Fun gamers are in there. But it's a regular event with this one. And, of course, there's United Technologies and Boeing. Both of which won't quit. Why not? Why should they? They're aerospace. They have fabulous stories. As says Honeywell, a new addition to the recommended list of the Plus.com club. Anything with aerospace has a predilection to go higher. Oh, and let's not forget deer for farm equipment. Have you seen that thing? Plus, all these companies are consistent buyers, not issuers of their own stock. They husband their shares, which really contributes to creating the cyclical stock shortage. It's so hard to find shares in any of these companies that it's amazing they haven't even run more. But then again, it's still a little bit of leap of faith to believe they're all going to blow away the numbers. After listening to to Mike Dillon from United Rentals, though, I do think there's more upside. I think they await us. Of course, the industrials aren't the only way to play an accelerated economy. You can buy the papermakers. But again, there used to be so many of them. My father worked for a bunch of them. Now you just buy international paper. It's really kind of the only big one left. The chemicals are classic cyclicals, but the one that's top of mind just started moving. Dow DuPont. People like Westlake and Lionel Basil. However, in many ways, that too feels like a supply shortage, meaning a stock shortage, not a chemical shortage. Same goes for warehouser. That's a lonely lumber stock. You could go downscale and pick up Freeport-McMoran for some exposure to the copper scene. Again, though, they've got a lot of Chinese business. That's not exactly the market's cup of tea. Oh, and why not focus on the rails? Okay, maybe not CSX. Let that settle after the sad death of its brilliant CEO, the great Hunter Harrison. But Norfolk Southern, Union Pacific, I'm fine with them. Now, of course, I am generalizing. There are more industrials out there that you could buy. Plus, it's not like you need to own them all. And let's be honest, this is a very high-quality problem. We used to have hundreds of these kinds of companies. Now there are merely dozens. And with the economy going into overdrive, the scarcity of stock simply assures that they simply aren't done going higher. Hence why the cyclicals remain among the best places to be. Stick with Kramer. the great privilege to sit next to Mike Francesa today on the Halftime Show is Scott Wadner. Wow, what a guy. He's taught a lot of us to speak our minds and tell the truth and talk to callers like you with respect, but also, of course, have an opinion if you disagree. And what a delight he is. Many of us owe our ways of doing our thing to him. And yes, it's true. This may be a sports show about business, or maybe it's vice versa. I'd like to say there's always a more market somewhere. I promise try I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money.
0: I'm Jim Kramer, and I'll see you tomorrow. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations.